Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're listening to More Than a Season podcast with Ashley and Brittany. Join us as we walk through what life is like supporting someone within the sports industry. Real, authentic, behind-the-scenes look at what the support system experiences but no one discusses. Grab a drink, sit back, and listen because we are about to get real. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Stop listening. Press pause. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, scroll down to the ratings and reviews. Select five stars and give us a review. And if you're on Spotify, click our podcast page and click follow and download to listen to all of our episodes. Thanks so much. Enjoy this episode. Hello, hello, everyone. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back. Welcome back. We are excited. We have another interview and we are so pumped to introduce her. Hello, everyone. My name is Margaret Matheny. I've been married to Tate for five years. So we've been in the baseball industry together for five years. We have two children. We've lived in probably five different states. We've moved 12 times in the last three years. So life has been quite the adventure in the baseball industry. And my goodness, have I learned so much. I'm very excited to share. Thank you guys so much for having me on. We're so excited to have you on. We want to hear all about your journey. So tell us all the places you've moved. I mean, you can give us a condensed version if you'd like, but go ahead and tell us your, tell us your journey. Honestly, like I like telling people where we've been because their eyes just get bigger and bigger. We started in Greenville, South Carolina. So first you moved to Florida for two months for the spring training season, and then you moved pretty much wherever they tell you to move three days prior to your moving date. So we jumped in the car, moved to Greenville right when we were married a month into marriage. That was humbling to say the least. And then next season we were in Salem, Virginia, following season, Portland, Maine, following season, Portland, Maine again. And then he finished in Pawtucket. And then this year we got to be home, which was such a blessing in disguise, but yeah, those are all the places we've been. We've been, to Florida every single year, same spring training spot, which has been really nice. Every time we hear about these moving stories, especially with baseball, I always tell Brittany I'm like in awe because there's no direction. It's just like all over the place. You're kind of being ping-ponged <laughs> around. Oh but I, I do want to ask how you and your husband met. So you weren't always in baseball. So how did this work in the beginning? We met in kindergarten, believe it or not. We went to the same elementary school different grade school like four five six different year and then we came back to the same school seventh grade through 12th grade we never dated we just kind of were friends we dated other people and then the summer before we left for college we started talking and then I went to Baylor University and he went to Missouri State and within a semester I transferred to Missouri State and said it wasn't for Tate but it certainly was I played a sport there kind of like to cover how ridiculous it sounds for me to like leave Baylor and go to Missouri State to follow a boy. Everyone was like, you're following him. I was like, no, no, no. I want to play soccer. You guys, I like rode the bench the whole time. (laughs) Did not go for soccer, but I worked my butt off, you know, and got the boy. Here we are. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. I feel like you always hear that about people too. Like when they move for someone, they're always like, no, no. But I love that you're just like, yeah, I mean, deep down it was for him. Yeah, I mean, in my seventh grade, 
diary, which I still have. I told myself in my diary that I was going to be in love with Tate Matheny. Like I just knew it. And I, I knew it from the, and it sounds so crazy and so dramatic and I'm not that kind of person, but I knew it. Like he even broke up with me for a couple months in college. And I was like, no, we're going to get back together. Like I had no fear, even though I was really, really sad. I was like, we're going to end up together. So lo and behold, here we are. That's crazy. So right after college, did you guys get married? And then did you kind of follow into the baseball journey? Like right after did he get drafted early? He was a junior year draft pick. Okay. And I was still in school. So I did that first semester senior year. He had already left to go to Lowell, Massachusetts and play short season. And then we got married in January and I finished my degree online upstairs in my grandparents' bedroom in Florida by myself because we had already moved for the season. So I finished college online, which was pretty easy. It was much easier, honestly. But I was like super determined to finish. Tate hasn't finished yet. I don't even know if he will, but we just jumped right into the baseball season, which was a huge eye-opener for me because I was such a homebody. So leaving literally my comfort zone, everything, and just going to a state that I'd never been and Tate being gone 50% of the time was just the biggest wake-up call for me. So what did you go through with that first move? Because that is, I know it's terrifying because we both experienced that and have gone through those changes. So what did you do? Did you dive into the community or did you feel like you were kind of alone the first time? Definitely did not dive into the community. I more so just stayed by myself. We had a great apartment, but I just sat in the apartment the whole season I didn't really adventure out. Like, I loved eating at restaurants, but Tate was never there to do it. I feel like I was just in a very dark place. It was the beginning of this huge transformation in my heart. But before transformations happen, you have to get really messy and really gross. And that's just where it all kickstarted. I was very into learning this stereotypical baseball wife life. I wish I could slap myself. But it just got to a point where... All I was focusing on was working out, getting the best body, eating the most healthy food. I was so isolated and had nothing to do. So literally, that's all I focused on. And yeah, that's kind of where the transformation began. And it it wasn't until like three years later where I was like, I can't keep doing this. Oh, my gosh. A lot of that transformation has to do with like being in this industry for so long and seeing good examples of women who have gone through and made it out alive and having children in this industry and supporting Tate in this industry. The last thing I needed to do was focus on myself, which is what I was doing, which was making us miserable, me miserable too. It was just really yucky. I think that that's important because it really is isolating at first. And of course it's scary. Mm -hmm. So what did you kind of do? Can you take us through like the process of what you did to pull yourself out of that, to get your mind shifted from just being on yourself to being on like the ultimate bigger picture, bigger goal? Yeah. Honestly, like I wish there was one jaw dropping example of how my life changed, but it was the slowest climb. It was just a slow step by step. I'll just go through them. First one was changing what I was ingesting. So everything like Instagram, the people I was around, the people I was listening to, I needed like people who were in depth and who were talking about their faith and 
bigger things than just baseball. I needed out of that. Second, baseball is so freaking hard and draining on these guys who are playing a game every single night for 160 days. Like that is not normal. And so Tate needed obviously a partner who could pick him up when he's weak. And I was certainly not that person because I was so focused on myself. And then continuing the story, we had our first child. And so I was not only a mom who needed to support my child, I was a wife. And even after Riker, I was still trying to maintain my body. A lot of this is back to appearance for me. Um, and I don't know if that's similar for a lot of other people, but I just was working out so hard and trying so hard to fit this mold. And my marriage was suffering. I wasn't a good mom. I was exhausted. I was impatient. I was not happy. I was losing hair. I was losing unbelievable amounts of weight that I shouldn't have been losing while I was breastfeeding, all these types of things. And my life just got, as soon as we had Riker, which was in 2017, everything just kind of stopped. I was like, I can't do this anymore. And so it was like I said, just baby steps, baby steps, baby steps. And now fast forward 2020, I can't believe that I get to share the fact that I was so low and came out of it, but I think it's so important for people to hear because I know so many women in this industry struggle with the stereotypes and fitting this mold that people think we need to fit. And somebody asked me a long time ago, like, what are you doing with your life? And I was like, I have no idea. But now I guess it's just, it's sharing a message that the more you are who you are, the happier and the more joy-filled you're going to be. And even being in this baseball industry, it sucks the life out of you through season and even in the off season because it's a totally different world. But I feel like the fact that I got out of that depressed, self-centered state and am here now telling my story is the most humbling thing that just makes me want to dig and get even more authentic to who I am because I've seen a massive shift in the way I am a wife, a mom, a woman like the way I view myself life is just substantially better and easier when I'm not trying to be something that I'm not and I just want to hug people who are dealing with it not tell them what to do but just hug it and say like you're gonna get through it everyone's story is different but that's my story it was a slow climb and like I still climb every single day like I'm still working towards getting to a more humble, less self-centered version of myself every day, but massively different than I was five years ago. I appreciate you sharing your transformation because a lot of the time you're so right. The stereotype is that you have to have it all together and look this certain way and it is exhausting. And I have been there myself yeah. and I, I'm still working on it. I talk about it on some of our mini sods that you just get into this mindset where you're like, I don't know. You try to strive for perfection and being someone and it's draining. And so I appreciate yeah. it. It's very refreshing to hear that. I bet other women that are listening really appreciated that as well. With your husband, I know that they are gone a lot, they're travel, and then there's also all these games. So communication is key. And I know that that is very far in few moments um, when you do have that time. So how do you make it work? Because Brittany and I have received so many questions about how um, to communicate because text message language is a lot different than people think. Because like a K with a period means a lot different than a K with an exclamation point. So 
Yeah. How do you do your communication and make it work? Man, that's a loaded question because baseball, and I'm sure all these other women know that like if you have a bad game, you don't really need to say much. You just kind of order a pizza, deliver it to them, whatever. But I think the important thing that I had to learn was figuring out Tate's way of communicating good games and bad games and also his love language. His love language certainly is not communication, but it is feeling very loved. So I had to figure out, because a lot of guys don't know this about themselves, so we have to be the doctors and figure it out, right? And so you'll figure it out, trial and error. You got to go through that stage, but also pay close attention. Study your guys, study these men and see what they do, how they act after a bad game or after a good game and kind of go from there. Like I can tell with eight good games, he is so willing to talk. Obviously everyone is, they want to talk about the home run they hit. Like, good job, babe. Puff them up a little bit. Bad games, you give them a little space. You say, I love you. You never start with anything negative. You start with the positives because that's how we constantly have to help them get through these hard times. Like baseball is a game of failure. But also being incredibly intentional with that you get to communicate to them. So when he's away, he doesn't want small chats. Neither do I. Like we have two kids. That's not really in our life. But I would say something that's so important for us is like surprise messages. In the morning, when he goes to bed super late, and like he knows what I'm doing with two kids, I wake up to a text message that's like, you're doing such a good job. Keep going. Thank you for your support. And then I'm like, okay, I'll surprise message him back sometimes this week. While he's in a game, I'm probably going to be asleep before he gets home. Surprise message. And it's just, you have to be intentional. You have to be okay with missing a night of a phone call. It's so much easier said than done, but being intentional about the little windows that you get and being okay when you don't get that, knowing that, hey, the love is still there. The appreciation is still there. Just because we didn't talk tonight doesn't mean we're failing. Like, it's just, you have to have this deep understanding of each other. And I feel like that's where the root needs to be, your deep understanding of one another. And then it should just blossom and wherever the wind blows it. So with communication, I'm sure that's changed kind of over the years too, as you guys have grown and of course grown your family and things like that. Of course, your communication shifts. What does your shift look like in terms of being just you two into being like having kids and having to do the baseball life with kids? Our first child was remarkable. He was so easy. And I swear he's the reason for about three of the babies on that team now. He went with the flow. He stayed up till 1130, 12 o'clock on rain delays. We haven't tried baseball games with two yet. Thankfully, we got a little bit of a break. But I would say it almost got, I, I wouldn't say it got easier. It just was different. And here's the difference is that Baseball Live with Jesse and Tate, we were like each other's world. And when he left, it was so hard for me to constantly find community and pick myself up. But with children now, one, Tate's working harder than I've ever seen him work in his entire life. Because there's just, there's purpose. His children are watching and they're depending on him to provide. So that has been very beautiful to see Tate step up in a completely different way from athlete to like a father. And when he does leave, having them to distract me has been a game changer for me. 
like we were living in the basement of a host family's home in Portland, Maine, a very cold city. It's lovely, but there were like 10 day long stretches of just me and Riker in this basement. And it just changed my mindset. Like, no, I have to get out. Like I have to live life for this child. Tate and I just totally just shifted. Everything means so much more. We're working so much harder. And I know there are a lot of girls who don't have kids yet, and that's totally fine. But the importance here is finding something that fulfills you outside of baseball season. And I didn't have that until I was hit in the face with it with my kid. It's just you have to find something fulfilling outside of that life. Otherwise, it's going to be constantly a battle of picking yourself up when they leave and when he's in a slump and things like that. So it was it was a little gift from God saying like, here, let me help you out. We don't have children. So it's always interesting mm-hmm. to hear that perspective. And I mean, I think that perspective helps a lot of people too, because you're kind of lost when they leave. But if you do have something to distract mm-hmm. you, even if it's not your kids, that's so yeah. important. <laughs> exactly. It doesn't have to be a child, but it's like find something that makes you get up in the morning outside of baseball. Cause like when I was in Greenville, I was banking on Tate. I was banking on a good game. Both of us were, and it was so depleting. Cause like when you fail, there's nothing there to like pick you up. And when he leaves, what do I have tomorrow? Nothing. So it took me a really long time to figure that out, but props to the girls who figure that out before they get into this industry. I wish somebody would have told me that. Yeah, that's all great. I think that everyone can find value in that, whether they have kids or not. So you keep saying, you know, moving, and you said you lived in the basement in Portland. So I want to know, how in the world do you move with children to all these different spots? (laughs) Um, Not with these. Honestly, Tate's parents went through the baseball industry. So his dad played for a while. Now he's a manager. And so they have been so kind to help us either moving down or moving back. And then my parents, on the other hand, like they're very helpful for us. It is a large part of why my brand is now like minimalism because of how insane it is to move three times a year with kids, even with like Tate and I stuff. That was insane. Now you add kids into the mix and it's just like, oh my gosh, we cannot fit a penny in this car. And I thought I was being minimal, but it's totally made me change my entire life. You don't need as much as you think. You can survive off of honestly things that would surprise you. And it honestly turned into a fun challenge of like, can we get by with just these things? Almost forced into this life because we just didn't have room to bring more things. And so now all I talk about is how much easier and less stressful my life got once I declutter just the stuff in our life. I mean, literally just Tate and I moved to Greenville that first year. We brought two full cars. I had a Tahoe at the time. He had this truck. And we literally brought everything we owned, every wedding gift, everything. And his sweet mom, who has been in the baseball industry, just smiled. She didn't say a word. (laughs) And on the way back, I was like, thank you for not saying anything, but I promise you this is never happening again. Like she just said it by being silent. I think Um, that that's so funny because everyone in the sports industry knows like you just learn like minimalism is the key. (laughs) Oh yeah. Like you don't have a choice. Otherwise you're going to drive yourself crazy. 
So did you guys do long distance? Like, did you have a home base somewhere? I know that you've moved like a million times. So do you usually have a home base during season? Yes, we're both from St. Louis. So both of our families are here. And we are also the siblings in this family who will always come back to St. Louis. It's our home. It's our safe place. We're comfortable here. It's just both of our personality types. We're just homebodies and love being around our family. When COVID hit, we were almost like so shocked. We didn't even know what was unraveling. And we had no home because obviously we were banking on being in Portland or Pawtucket or something for the season. So literally my parents took all four of us in. Riker was two and a half at the time. Gunner was about four months old. And they took all of us in for three months. And then Tate's brother was living in an apartment, moved home so that we could move in and have our own space. So literally without family, I don't know where we'd be right now. I mean, I don't know how people do it when they don't have people helping them. So much props to them. But we are standing because of how kind our family has been to us. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Everyone that we have interviewed, it's crazy when they move somewhere, it always falls into place. Like you never know where you're going, but then eventually once you get there, it's like you find that space and then there's some really good, good family and people out there. So I think that is so great that you had that. Back to my minimalism, because I think that is super neat to talk about. How did you get rid of and like pick between, okay, we're going to try to live with as less as possible with two kids and all the toys and all those things. I'm just so fascinated by this theory of minimalism. Yes. Okay. I guess you kind of just learn each season, the pots and pans that you use and the amount of clothes that you use. Like baseball games, our getup is leggings, sweatshirt, and a coat. Like that's literally what we get. Also, I was paying attention every time I visited Tate, what I was actually wearing, what I was needing. Honestly, you can just be minimal if you're a guy because they live off of literally nothing. It wasn't until probably this year when COVID hit, when I was home and we had a lot of time on our hands, we just decluttered everything and kind of like set buckets around saying, can we survive off of these two pots and pans? Let's just try for this week and see how it goes. And that's how we pretty much decided minimal kitchen, minimal wardrobe, minimal shoe rack. It was mostly just a mindset shift more than anything else. It was like constantly asking myself, do I need this? Am I using it as much as I need to use it? And those types of questions just over an extended period of time helped us gradually get down to the bare minimum of what we need and what we don't need. And I've been on YouTube for the past couple of months, starting to share my minimalism journey and decluttering my wardrobe. And it's something that people are just drawn to because of our consumerism culture, where everyone's selling you something around every corner. And if you don't have it, you feel less like we just have this pull that's not going anywhere because of social media. And so I'm like trying so hard to share the message that it's okay to defy that culture and it's all up here in your head because if you catch yourself saying I need that instead of saying I need that saying you know what I like what I have actually that works really well that will make the biggest change more than cluttering your closet or anything it starts with the mindset and what you're telling yourself that was the biggest thing for me at least I love that that's such a great mindset to have I think that's important for anyone not just in the sports industry so I'm glad you're sharing it on YouTube yeah (laughs) That's yeah. awesome. So you do you go to a lot of the games? I do, especially when they're home. I don't travel very often with the kids outside of the city that we're in. 
Do you have any like crazy or funny fans in the sand stories that you would like to share with us? We always love to hear this, especially within the baseball world. I don't know why, but they're always the funniest ones. Yeah, y'all have the best fans that we always hear about. There's just a bunch of little kids who love Tate. And I think they love Tate because they love his father, who is also a wonderful, wonderful man. So I understand why. But something interesting about Tate is that he has white eyelashes on the left side of his face. And it looks different when you're first seeing him for the first time. And so the funniest comments that we've ever received are like people behind us when they see Tate's picture pop up on their screen, like, what the beam is going on with his eyes? I'm like, oh my gosh, I am his wife and I'm sitting right in front of you. Or like we're going through a drive through after the game and someone's like, what is up with your eyes? And like his story is different every single time. He likes to run with it. But the funniest stories are just what people are talking about behind me. They're like, man, Tate Matheny's in the biggest slump ever. I wonder what his wife's doing tonight. I'm like, bruh, like give me some of your beer. I'm right there with you. Honestly, like it's humbling to hear what other people think of him because I see like the Tate side. He's such a funny, goofy, random human being that I just love him so dearly. And when people see him as this baseball guy, it's so interesting and fun for me to hear those sides of it. I love that you have a good spirit about it because I guess you could get really upset, but might as well just run with it. And I would totally oh do gosh, what your husband yeah. does and just change the story every time that someone asks. Yeah. That is wonderful. We do have to ask one last question. We ask this every interview. And so it is just the number one thing we always ask. But if you could go back and tell your younger self when you first started out at this journey, something that you know now, what would you tell yourself back then? Such a good question. And there's so many answers. I would say get comfortable with being uncomfortable for so long. I wanted to be in control. I hated change. I wanted to be perfect. But when my life changed, it was because I was okay with being uncomfortable. And I welcomed that in. For so many women in this industry, all we want is control. All we want is a set routine. And we just don't get that. And so the more you dive into like not letting things break you down, but letting them break you open to just explore more about yourself, that's when your life is just going to escalate. That's when everything gets better and brighter and more adventurous. And so just be comfortable with being uncomfortable. We love that. Thank you so much for talking with us and sharing your journey. We loved your authenticity and we loved having you on here. So much fun. I wish you could talk for like two more hours. You guys are the best. I love your stuff. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. And yeah. thank you to everyone that has been listening. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this interview on More Than a Season podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at more than a season underscore women's guide for the latest updates. You can also follow our personal Instagram accounts at Ashley M. Kramer and Britt Labby. We would love it if you would download, subscribe, and leave us a review on your choice of platform. Thank you so much. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.